Hello and welcome to Salopcast, episode 14 of the season, two game weeks, so just me and Glyn. Morning Glyn, doing this a bit earlier than normal, um, Grand Prix this afternoon, so we'll jiggle things around this a little afternoon? bit. How Tonight you, you mean, isn't it? Late on the Grand Prix, isn't it? I was watching yeah. qualifying at like God, quarter past ten or something. Uh, don't tell me anything. Oh, okay, right, so. uh, there we go. Um, yes, recording this morning and uh, yeah, I'll be uh, off to Acton Park in a minute for a little uh, Sunday morning walk with the family, so yeah, it's... Uh, it's nice to be doing it in a bit of a better frame of mind because it's been a bit of an interesting week, Ollie. Like um, we're on the sort of euphoria yeah. again of, of beating um, a team four-one, which is absolutely remarkable considering everything that's gone on this season. Um, but then as soon as I logged on this morning to start going through the agenda with you, it reminded me we did lose abjectly <laughs> to Oxford two 0 in the week, yeah. which I had kind of almost forgotten about after yesterday. So um, yeah, a bit of an up and down week. Yeah, yeah, a bit of an up and down week. Not not very good performance on Tuesday night. <laughs> very lot of frustration coming to the boil. And then Saturday, as we said a couple of weeks ago, and I think we might have to just keep doing this, is just enjoying the wins. Mm. Got to enjoy the wins. It was a great performance, really enjoyable afternoon. And that's what football's all about. And we came out of the relegation zone. So really, really positive. Obviously, it doesn't take away our concerns, but it was great to, to win um, and also great for Bowen to get a hat-trick um, and a perfect hat-trick as well. So, yeah, lots of positive things to talk about. Let's get through the Oxford game quite quickly, I think, Glenn, and let's try and enjoy the, uh, the, the, the win on Saturday. Chelsea defensively, has it, from these corners. Some big lads, Shrewsbury Town. The usual suspects wait. Oh, and Grandison was up, and it's in! How about that for instant impact? Andy May in the substitute! So, first game this week, Shrewsbury Town travelled down to Oxford United. Um, at the half-built Kassam Stadium um, and unfortunately came away with a 2-0 loss, Ollie. Um, goals from Sykes on 46 and Brannigan near the end on 87 and, and yeah, nothing for us. Um, and it was one of those interesting nights, Ollie, wasn't it, actually? It was where one of those rare occasions where, you, you know, you're watching your Shrewsbury Town team, it was on the iFollow, it was a Tuesday night away game, but it was almost like tracking another scoreline because um, the FA Cup replay was going on at the same time, wasn't it, with Stamford-Boston and it was a bit of a, a ding-dong battle, the lights went out, um, so it was interesting to see who we were going to end up playing. But um, eventually, Ollie, um, before we get to this game ended up being Stratford away didn't it which is probably the best draw I think I would have I would have wanted that um, new ground and someone would have been before and yeah good for us as well it's been selected for TV and 50 grand in the bank for that nice to get a little bit of money in the bank we can add it to the, the surplus budget that we have so that we'll have even more to spend in January yeah good game good game one of the ones that would be, be nice for the fans probably not for me um, mm. in terms of um, quite close to due date and stuff um See, I might go, but I don't know. Probably just watch on TV, given it's on TV. So that would be interesting. Um, one to one for the fans to look forward to. I'm sure fans like busy um, will love going to an non-league game. So mm. all those fans, um, all those away followers, and there was 200 away followers for Oxford. Um, a crazy bunch of people following Shrewsbury Town <laughs> away at Oxford. Yeah, better, better than me at the moment, I tell you what. Uh, and um, it's interesting. Two things on that front, I suppose, is the the whole. Um, I bumped his way playing outside the game on Saturday, half time. We were sort of, you know, that's better, wasn't it? That was better. And then we got a little chat about um, about Stamford, and you know, Aid had said he'd been to like I think two or three away games similar to me, and we were sort of ruminating on whether we'd make any sort of season ticket loyalty point, um, you know, barriers on that because if we're only going to get two, three hundred tickets, which it sounds like, um, you know, we are going to be only the hardcore. So I would absolutely love to go Stamford. I would try my 
hardest to get a ticket, but um, possibly with only three away games on, on my on my record this season, I might even miss out, Ollie. So we'll have to see. We'll cover that when we, we come to ticket news on that one. But um, yeah, interesting draw. Looking forward to that one. Um, but yes, back to Tuesday night, <laughs> the bit that wasn't quite as interesting, um, the loss, Ollie. So unfortunately, you know, we used to kind of talk about Ricketts ball, didn't we? Um, and, you know, the lack of goal scoring chances and shots on target and anemic football. And we have briefly talked about heading back that way over the last few weeks. But to be honest with you, if you take away Saturday's game, and, and that kind of changes the vibe a little bit, but for different reasons, this was kind of the definite return of Ricketts ball. And it was the first time, Ollie, we'd had zero shots on target for quite a long time. And since 2016 17, we've only had zero shots on target in a game five times. So, you know, all of those five can never be. You know, five is a lot, though. It's still a lot, yeah. But, you know, it's. it's um, it's also, you know, slightly rare, I suppose, across probably 300 games at that point in time. So, um, yeah, to, to go a whole game without a shot on target, I've said it on this podcast several times the last few years, is abject and does not deserve any kind of credit from the game at all, I suppose. Yeah, terrible stat, that, isn't it? It is a terrible stat. We did have some block shots, as the manager said, which is true. Mm, exciting. But we didn't really create a lot of chances no. against this game. We First half, we played quite well. Second half, we were abysmal. But I think, for, for me, the damning stat... Um, Glenn is um, is the Cottrell versus Ricketts one. Yeah, so we've been talking about how they were kind of equal on points, weren't they, last week? And yeah, with this loss, um, Cottrell fell behind Ricketts in terms of total points earned after 46 games in charge of the club, which is, yeah, as you say, quite damning. Um, I haven't actually updated that for the Saturday game yet, so we'll kind of report back on where we are next week. Um, but I think it probably brings them level again now. But yeah, just, you know, the fact that after everything that's gone on, Cottrell had then fallen behind Ricketts in terms of total points um, after this, this abject performance, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, after Tuesday night and all the way through to Saturday. I was feeling quite bad about the town to be honest with you in our current predicament Ollie yeah it's it's really worrying isn't it we ended the game with three wins in 14 Terrible. which is just abysmal <laughs> absolutely abysmal um, and yeah the manager coming out being um, all hostile and sarky mm. um, doesn't really help he's lost a lot of games as a manager so you'd think he'd be used to it by now yeah it's not the best is it to be fair so yeah put a bit more pressure on the Saturday game didn't it but go on Ollie run us, run us through the team at Oxford and let's, let's kind of go through this game and what we didn't do right so we went to four three three in this game, and needs must with Leahy being injured. Uh, we put had to play Bennett in midfield, um, and I guess we thought let's just match up Oxford as best way to kind of you know, counter them. So Pennington went to right back. He looked more comfortable there, I think, than he has uh, last season. Yeah. Ebanks and Pierre came back in, but Pierre was a, sh- a bit of a shadow of his former self mm. in terms of fitness. He's just not. He doesn't look fit. He was holding his hamstring the second half. Or better left back, and Worley, Davis, and Bennett in midfield. Um, blocks and Bowman and a doe up front so it was nice to see um, blocks and get a game um, so that was positive um, and Wally's playing again at 34 which is just madness really how many games he's playing which is great to see but um, it's not I don't think it's a season long um, tactic that's going to work very well <laughs> it's not a solution long term is it although the way he's playing maybe, maybe he's is. playing really well but let's be fair like I'm not, not you know, he's a great servant he's incredibly fit he's a fantastic professional he is 34 he, he ain't gonna play every single game every week. It's just, it's just. If he does, it's a, it's a miracle. Um, it will be absolute, um, you know, a testament to his, his um, attitude and his, his preparation and how much he focuses on football and recovery and all that kind of stuff. If he goes, if he keeps playing every week as he is right now, I totally agree. And this was a game where, for the first first time, really, you could see at the end of the game we were absolutely knackered, weren't we, as a team? Um, you know, whether whether you'd been subbed off or, you know, Davis particularly towards the end was really really leggy. Um, Bennett was a little bit leggy. I thought, you know, Blockton was a seventeen year old. Um, sort of got leggy before. I think he got subbed off late on, didn't he? So. 
you know, I thought it was one of those ones where a lot of the players have been playing regularly week in, week out. Um, maybe this was a little bit of a match too far. And then obviously, hopefully, you know, by the evidence of it, they've rested well up to the Saturday. But yeah, just those first signs of, of a bit of fatigue creeping in because of the small squad. Um, but understandable with some of the players' ages. But uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. You've written positive start by Shrews Ollie, um, it, which, which it was. Um, but it wasn't great after that, was it? <laughs> it's one of those performances where you look good and then you step back and go, hmm only really created one chance in this half. Yeah. So we did play some nice football. We I think we were really surprised as well. You know, in recent weeks, we've talked about just hitting the channels. That's all we've been doing, hitting the channels and trying to do um like inverted passes and, and you know, undercuts inside and with fullbacks or midfielders running inside. And that was our two tactics. Mm-hmm. In this game, we started playing out from the back and we saw it again against Cambridge on Saturday. But we didn't really create too many chances. The best chance really in this half fell to block some. So good flick on from Bowman. Um, Ado runs forward, plays a really nice cross into the box and Bowman under pressure puts it wide. Um, but then after that, really, we didn't really create too many chances. So let's just quickly run through the highlights. So poor defending from Salah, a scramble in the box. Taylor fires into Ebanks and it goes wide. Taylor has a header from six yard and goes wide. Then he has another chance, which is ruled offside. This was really poor defending from a Salah perspective. And then there's a pen claim, never a penalty, but then there's a good save for Morosi from that. Overall, some good passing, but like as you said, Glenn, no shots on target. What was your kind of overview of the first half? As it went on, we felt luckier and luckier not to fall behind, really, didn't we? Um, they, they missed some good chances, um, dominated the ball. I think we were at some ridiculous percentage of, of possession again, Ollie, 10, 15 minutes in, like 19% or something absolutely mental like that. Um, so we'd obviously set out with the same game plan that worked against MK Dons at home, where we were quite happy to sit back and be deep and, and defend deep and not have much of the ball and, and hopefully ride our luck and, and look for a break. But unlike Milton Keynes Dons, none of the breaks were effective at all, were they? You know, we were really, really poor going forwards, didn't didn't put enough together. Um, yeah, I would agree that was never a penalty. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know, the, the best we played was around in midfield where I thought Davis was quite neat and tidy in the first half. Um, but it was all, you know, a little bit sideways, a little bit stopped. Um, and it was one of those ones where, you know, sometimes we'd break out from the back and you'd look up and you'd, you just had the one option ahead of you. And Ado, sorry, um, Bloxham and Ado were quite deep on, on either side of, of Bowman. So didn't didn't really seem to be like a, a, a game we were going to score lots of goals in. You were just hoping we'd get that one counter-attack right. Um, but it, it never, first off, it never appeared at all, did it? I'm not going to explain why, but I was going to make a comment. This, Go on. What you're talking about here links directly to the Cambridge approach, I think. Mm. So, so think of that thought now. The way we're playing here, not very good going forward, not really been able to create any chances. You know, almost in, simply almost missing that number 10 creative spark in midfield. I think that has a big impact on the Cambridge game yeah. in, a, in, a, in a positive for us. So yeah, not very good um, first half in terms of overall performance or output. <laughs> Yeah. Second half. Uh, do you know what? More I think about it, more maybe I was a bit harsh there. Uh, do you know what? Actually, I, I do no, remember you're thinking. Right, you didn't really create any chance. No. 45 minutes, created one chance. But I remember thinking at half time that was actually quite a decent football game to watch. And that's why I said we flattered to deceive. Um, and I think we get that quite a lot with. Um, there's a player, I think, for Shrewsbury as well, that kind of does that a bit as well, um, which we'll come on to in the, in the second game where. Um, you know they do. They look like they're contributing a lot, but yeah. in reality they're not really. Um, thought, yeah. which maybe a bit controversial. We'll come on to that in the Cambridge game. I thought Pennington was good first half. I actually thought it was one of those ones where because he was playing more right back than the role he's been playing recently, he started to get forward a bit more, didn't he? And I don't know. I quite, I quite like Pennington. I thought it was another one of his, his good performances. But oh, Pennington's playing really well at the moment. Yeah. I'd say um, Pennington and Leahy um, and Ebanks as well um, have really come into a bit of form at the moment. Yeah. 
nil nil half time anyway. I say it wasn't it wasn't like we had uh, loads of clear cut chances, but we were still in it, weren't we? You know, you could have considered that if we stepped it up a little bit or got that right counter attack involved. You know, we had chances second half, didn't we? But um, unfortunately, that was soon put to bed, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. So we came out. Um, the manager, um, Robinson, was not at the game because he was waiting for COVID result, which has come back positive. I can just imagine him doing that kind of Alex Ferguson, Tottenham-type half-time um, team talk. And it's just, it's Shrewsbury, lads. Come on. Um, and then they come out um, and weird goal, weird goal, but not great from Shrewsbury's perspective. Cross from Sykes, goes all the way through a crowd of players. Poor goalkeeper, I think and then the defenders didn't really help him as well so a bit of an odd one um, but a sucker punch and a really bad start to the half and we never really recovered from that no uh, looking at it it's it's a long ball and isn't it to me i think that the keeper's got to do better on that one it just you know for it to go all the way through from there is is quite poor i think um maybe he's unsighted maybe it just sort of took the bounce at the wrong time in front of him who, who knows but yeah i'd agree poor goalkeeping and you know it happened what was it six five six minutes into the half something like that it was so quick and that was it you know the, the game was pretty much finished for us we were absolutely terrible from that point onwards um and yeah it just falling behind again is the is the killer for us isn't it obviously it's to change to what happened on saturday which was a bit different but um yeah just falling behind this this team are really struggling to get back into games when they do so um yeah it just felt like an important goal um and oxford you know used that um positivity i suppose the goal to push on and and really put us under the pressure the rest of the half didn't they yeah, they did. We had six shots in the first half, four shots in the second half. They had seven in the first half, six in the second half, but they had three on target and we mm. had none. Um, so in the second half, in the first half, they had one on target as well. Four on target for them, two goals. Um, obviously, a couple of opportunities that didn't quite come off for them, but, uh, but a good half from Oxford's perspective. Yeah, the funniest thing is we literally didn't, it was it was less than five minutes. I just said it was like a minute and a half, wasn't it? And we didn't touch the ball from the start of the first first half. So that sorry, start of the second half. That does show you how slow of a start we had, really, to just not touch the ball, concede. And the first thing we were doing in terms of picking the getting the ball is picking it out the back of the net. So yeah, it's just an absolute mental blow as well that goal. But yeah, I don't know. The, the, I have to say about Morosi just going a little bit wider. This was one of his worst performances for me, Ollie. Despite the goal, he was quite ropey again under the high ball. There was a couple which he sort of um, pushed rather than punched out into sort of the penalty box, which they could have snaffled up. And luckily, we had a, a Pennington or an Ebanks there putting their body on the line. It was one of his slightly ropier performances for me, um, Morosi, if we're going to give him a bit of, uh, of a knock this season. We haven't so far. But yeah, one of the games where I didn't think he was as good as he can be. Yeah, he made a couple of decent saves, but he didn't. He did. Yeah, the goal particularly was, was quite poor, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, not really too much to say about this game. I think let's just move on to better things, I think. So, bursting run from Bloxham and then that effort from Wally, which went high and wide. God. And the, the, there was a threat to the cars with the stand not being there and no stand <laughs> being there. Um, across from Salah, headed back across for a corner was probably a chance. A terrible dive from Brannigan in the in the area where um, basically um, Bennett tracked him into the box and he just went down. A terrible dive there. And then they scored. So, a corner cleared and then a long range effort from Brannigan. Um, it's a good shot, um, and it just went into the back of the net. Not not a good not a good one for Morosi, but I think it's probably a bit too hard to be too critical. And the Jews we had one chance to near the end across from um, Ogbetta, and um, Wally pokes it pokes it wide. But have to say, you know, conceding two goals, not scoring, it's a whole, it's a poor half. No, it was terrible. The second half was awful. Again, second half for long periods, we were down at like nineteen percent possession. Um, 
a couple, my couple of my observations. Bloxham didn't play very well, as much as I hate to be harsh on the kid because he's only 17, but is that his natural position? We're going to keep having that argument because um, he really didn't get into this game very well um, and it was subbed off for Josh Daniels, wasn't he, later on, which is you know quite rare to see a Josh Daniels appearance. They've been few and far between, Ollie. Um But yeah, it, it was just going on and um, you look at that point in time, you know, you've got Blocks and Bowman and Doe up front. You know, normally in a situation where you're 1-0 down chasing a game, you make a sub up front, you know, you try and change the, the pattern of the game. And what are we looking to do? Bring Cosgrove on. Bring Pike on. Do you know what I mean? It's just, you know, we've said it a million times before, but this is just not the quality to change things around there. Um, and it wasn't surprising that they came on and did pretty much nothing anyway. Um, so, yeah, it, frustrating. If plan A doesn't work, Glenn. No. We don't have a plan B. We don't have anyone that can really bring on and influence the game. We're playing our, we're playing our, our hand I mean, the first team selection, really, aren't we? We are. And as the game went on, it, you know, we were getting towards that zero shots on target. And I was thinking, someone's just going to have a pop from long range. Someone will get one shot on target. And, you know, as I say, you had that Wally chance that went wide. And that, that was it then. The zero was the zero was confirmed. And it was, uh, yeah, the 2 0 loss, Ollie. And um, awful, awful, awful performance in an awful kit, Ollie. <laughs> yeah. And what, what did Gareth Hopkins have to say? Yeah, Gareth on Twitter. Well, it wasn't the only person to be commenting on the Twitter and, and Facebook and Blue and Amber about this performance. But yeah, not bad first half, which is fair enough. Dreadful second half and blowing out their asses, um, which I think is completely fair view of it. Really, um, you know, Oxford looked quite good, didn't they, in spells? But it's pretty hard to judge um, how brilliant they are when they were playing us as poorly as that, I suppose. But um, yeah, def- definitely wilted out of the game in a major, major way, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was poor. It was poor. It was so poor that I've only been able to give one player in my top three. Oh, really? Um, I went to Ebanks first. Um, other than that, I couldn't really think of anyone else that really put any kind of decent performance in, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, I did pick three. Um, but yeah, Ebanks was my top player as well. His, his blocks and his commitment was um, captain material, I suppose, on a, on a night which was really difficult for us. Um, so yeah, I, I thought he saved us at least two or three goals, I think, from his blocks and headers away from dangerous situations. Could have been much worse without him playing there. I mentioned Pennington first half. I thought I had a really good first half. It wasn't as great second half when we got dominated, but um, you know, saw a lot more of the ball, I suppose, in the second half and, and did, his, did his job of heading and clearing away as, as well as he could, trying to stave off their attacks. Um, and I went for Davis in third place as much as he got tired in the game. Um, it's just one of those ones where no one else really stood out and he, he was reasonably effective in terms of passing the ball around in the spells that we did have and using using the sort of you know the shuttle between defence and trying to transition into attack. So um but you know wouldn't wouldn't say it was more than a, a six out of ten um, but it still makes my top three Ollie so that probably gives you an indication of how poorly um a few of the other players played um again Ollie and you know are they avoiding serious criticism at the moment the players because again nowhere near second half really really abject um and and I suppose it just brings you to a point isn't it is that you know we're quite away from home you know a bit obviously a bit more than home at the moment we're quite a soft team do you know what I mean it's like you know like you just said then the halftime team talk is uh, lads it's Shrewsbury you know what what you're expecting teams must look at us coming away to their place now thinking you know they we can roll them over and we don't really need to get out of second or third gear do you know what I mean it's it's just quite difficult to watch away from home um and you know it, to me it was a similar performance to Bolton although you know sim- sort of different scoreline um similar sort of slow uh plodding ineffective attacking performance really Ollie so um yeah we need to really sort our away form out in a major way yeah yeah, no, I understand what you're saying there. Mm. It's um, it's it's frustrating. Um, yeah, talking of frustrating post match, um, Steve was average, I'd say. You know, I think that one point where he kind of went off at Lewis and was was caught people's attention, but overall he was just a bit moody and a bit a bit frustrated, um, which is fair <laughs> enough really because his players didn't play that well. 
Um, but then you would question his, obviously he's, he's created this as well as we keep talking about yeah. the recruitment mess. So yeah, he said, it was a you know, good first half. The goal was a kick in the teeth. Um, you need to, you need to, your back four to play well here, which they didn't really got to take your chances, but we didn't really have many, did we, Steve? Come, let's be honest. Um, he did single out Pierre, which I thought was interesting. Uh, singling out a big player in the dressing room, saying he didn't play very well. Um, and then obviously there was nothing on target, but he, he talks about, um, he seems to get fed up about that actually. Um, and then Lewis um, asks some questions and he says to Lewis, where are you going with this question? Um, but then he does answer it quite well actually, to be fair to him. But he gets a bit narky when Lewis is asking questions about um, almost the player's belief in, in him almost. And he, he takes quite offence to that. Yeah, I think it's been interesting, hasn't it, this week? There's been a bit of a debate about um, a Twitter account that was set up um, called No Context Steve, um, which was set up, I believe, um, back in February 2020 um, and was starting... Yeah, I think it's by a Blues fan, you know? It is, yeah, it is, yeah. And it's been clipping out the sort of spiky or, you know, funny things when he was at Birmingham at times, things he's done with the press and his interviews, and it's just sparked off like a... It did spark off a sort of quite a, a reaction, really, about how we've talked recently. You know, I, I, I called Steve Cottrell a bit of a dick in his interviews, didn't I, a few weeks ago? And the more I watch that, the more I kind of feel like that's a fair assumption. Only when he's losing. You know, obviously we'll come to the interview on Saturday where it wasn't quite as spiky because he's won and he was a bit happier. But certainly not the sort of bloke that you want to talk to when he's lost or drawn a game of football. Um, and yeah, just it was an interesting reaction, wasn't it? That people are like, look, you can take away the on, you know, look at the on-field stuff, which is after this game, poor. You know, in the relegation zone, lost away from home again, terrible run. Um, but then when you add on the way he's coming across and dealing with people in our local press who are just trying to do a job, yeah, I, f- I feel like there was a kind of a, a bit of a bad reaction to it, really, which well, both of those things added to the pressure of Saturday, really, that he needed the win that he got. So, um, yeah, just, I don't know, what, what you made of this week, really, and, and what people were talking about, Steve, and, and how it was being discussed. It just doesn't help his cause, does it? You've no. got the kit issue, you've got um, the nonsense about the poor, the poor transfer window. You know, Glenn, he's lost over 200 games as a manager, so you'd mm. think he'd be used to it by now, having mm. to come out and explain why his team has lost. <laughs> he doesn't like uh, doing it, though, does he? Fucking hell. No, he doesn't. He's, <laughs> he's won 200, about 200, nearly 300 games as a manager, maybe over 300 now, and he has lost. He's lost 241. Um, so, you know, he's lost a lot of games, so you'd think he'd be used to it now, coming out. If he's come out and done a post-match 241 times or something like that to talk about a defeat, so you'd think he'd be a bit better at it now, but... Yeah gets very sensitive and very um, spiky if anything is questioned uh, by the media. Um, I, I'm not really sure what he's expecting the media to do. The media are asking him fair questions. It's not like we have, you know, a huge press pack. So it's not like they can share the pain or, you know, you're going to ask this question today. You're going to ask the difficult question, which I'm sure they do, um, you know, with the bigger clubs. I'm sure they cycle it around a little bit yeah. and play some games like that. But yeah, it's one of those things where he needs to, he's not doing himself and, it's just remarkable, isn't it, his, how his stock with the fans has just dropped so much from, from COVID in the summer. Um, and his, we, you know, a, we was taught a lot of message on, on, on social media, wasn't there, about this is not how a Shooter Town manager acts. I think that's true. It's not what we, we expect from a Shooter Town manager. We expect a manager to act with humility and be honest um, and front things up. And he just seems like he gets very spiky if anyone raises something that is slightly controversial or he doesn't like. And he doesn't seem to like the truth. So recruitment was crap. We don't have a very big squad. He talks about in one of the games, doesn't he, about how oh, no, everyone, everyone's stretched. No, they're not. It's just nonsense. So he just seems, I don't know whether he thinks he thinks he's getting away with it or he thinks he's been really clever mm. and really smart. And he's, he's kind of tricking us into thinking that his, his recruitment wasn't an absolute fucking shambles <laughs> well, that's um, not true, I don't know <laughs> but it's not it's not doing him any favours and if you lose every week 
that's just not going to help. So obviously everyone is super happy on Saturday. You've got to enjoy the wins. You've, you know, you, you see your team win, you want to see your team win. But we're not going to have this nonsense and it just doesn't do him any favours. And, you know, we've gone another run of losing games. All this stuff comes back again. Yeah, this isn't the last time we're going to revisit these comments and the no. way he behaves to people. I'm, I'm sure of it, to be honest with you. And if, it, you know, we're not out of the woods in any respect whatsoever yet. You know, we've won two home games, which has staved off um, staved off the vultures, to be honest with you, circling around him. But you know, it wouldn't take much for us to get back in in trouble and and for the for, the, for this sort of thing to raise its head. And just because you know we're winning a few more games, it doesn't mean he's a nicer person all of a sudden to to be around in terms of some of the comments he said before. But you know, fans are you know at the end of the day wanting results, and they'll take a lot if we start winning. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And fans um, are reactionary, aren't we? We yeah. react to wins, we react to defeats, we're to reacting um, to stuff. Um, doesn't make doesn't mean anything else disappears. Um, you know, um, when when you know when when we do really well, uh, you know you don't necessarily forget everything else, and when it goes the other way around, vice versa. No, it's interesting. It's interesting to see where it goes. And you, you know, sometimes when you when you burn bridges a little bit, like the comments and like the form we've had, it's incredibly difficult to build it back. And and you know, is is Saturday going to be that platform to build back from? Well, we said that after MK Dons, and then we lost, and well, then we said that after dawn, else. isn't it? Where where are we going to win two games out of three? Is a bit better, I suppose, and that is something to hang your hat on. But um, we'll, we'll come to where we're going into the future, and obviously an FA Cup run always normally helps huge town managers get out of a bit of trouble, doesn't it? So we will see, Ollie. That's interesting. I thought it was a good thing just talking to people and comments and stuff. Um, I saw Derek Castlin um, as we round this game up on Twitter after the match said. 36% possession, no shots on target, seven offsides, and only 66% passing accuracy. The only way I can describe that game was shit. And I think there's a good summary of that game at Oxford, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair reflection, Glenn. Mm. But at least we've got something a bit more positive to talk about now. So let's move on to the Cambridge game. Well, what a revelation Shrewsbury have been. Full of ideas, full of confidence, and a lot of football. Maguire's quarter, Chapman, it's there! So Shrewsbury Town four four goals, Glenn, um, and Cambridge one. So absolutely um, brilliant, um, brilliant performance, brilliant atmosphere, brilliant event, brilliant occasion. What football's all about? Attendance um, was five thousand seven hundred and eleven, mm-hmm. um, just under four hundred from Cambridge, um, and obviously Bowman scored um, three goals. Leahy scored another. Um, Cambridge scored an absolute, probably the best goal of the game, um, and then they had a player sent off as well. So interesting game, Glenn. Lots for us to talk about. Lots to talk about. Yeah, lots of rarities occurring in the game as well. Um, not just Shrewsbury actually scoring and winning, which has been rare enough this season, but um, perfect hat tricks, Ollie. Um, which I think is the talk of the town, isn't it, at the moment after what happened yesterday um, from from Ryan Bowman. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty rare, is my view. Um, and I did quite a lot of research last night. And um, the club were asking me for some bits and bobs, so. I did a bit of that and combined it with uh, putting a few bits out on Twitter. But essentially, it's the first perfect hat-trick at our new Meadow Stadium um, since Jordan Rhodes scored one for Brentford. I think it was in 2008, something like that. So even a perfect hat-trick scored by any team at New Meadow has been a bit of a long wait. Um, But in terms of a first town perfect hat-trick, there was a lot of discussion and uh, discussion about German hat-tricks and metrics. Yeah, it's not a a German (laughs) hat-trick. So in Austria and Germany, they call it a Lubenreiner. And oh, a Lubin Rainer is a perfect hat trick where a player scores three goals in a row in one half. Oh, wow. Well, that's even harsher. I don't think we would have had <laughs> many of those in our time. So the last time someone put, scored a perfect hat trick um, within f- more than three goals was obviously Holty um, when he scored those five goals at Wimbledon. So define uh, the perfect hat trick, Glenn, from an English point of view. Oh, yeah. So I said Wimbledon then. I meant Wickham. Um, but yes, a perfect hat trick is obviously header, right foot, left foot. Doesn't really matter what order it's in or in you know one half. You just got to do it in a game. Um, normally, a sort of perfect 
pure hat trick is you've scored three goals and they're all that. Do you know what I mean? But obviously the last one we had, which was Holtz one at Wickham, was when he scored five. So his goal two, three, and four were a right foot header and then left foot, I think it was. So that was the last perfect hat trick, but it wasn't a pure one per se because it was within five goals. So it does count, but you know we we we, we don't call that. I, I wouldn't call that a pure one like Bowman's, which was just the three goals and they were all exactly that. And then I kept going back for the club, looking and looking and looking. I went through Brackpro's hat tricks, you know, before that and. Um, I think there was uh, a few other bits, but I looked at Andy Cook's hat tricks. He scored against Stockport. He scored two, didn't he? Home and away in the one season uh, against Stockport, which is quite weird. Um, looked at those; they weren't they weren't perfect hat tricks. I got back as far as um, the conference season. Looked at Luke Rogers's hat trick versus Tamworth, and that wasn't a perfect hat trick. Went to look at the one versus Woking away, and unfortunately, Ollie, the video footage of that day has been lost to the sands of time. So that is as far back as you can go checking. Um, and obviously, there's loads of hat tricks before that, but it's it you know, footage kind of disappears in the early 2000s. So it's it's impossible to tell when the last pure perfect hat-trick um, at home was, Ollie, at this stage in time. I will be consulting Breathe on Them Salop and some programmes to try and figure it out. But um, we know that it was the first one at home um, since at least, you know, 2003. So, um, yeah, a long wait. And, and it was uh, a really, really nice kind of perfect hat-trick, wasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it was a great performance from Bowman, and especially after the issues he had at Ipswich. So, yeah, absolutely yeah, fantastic for him. He must be on cloud nine this morning. I yeah. can't imagine he slept much last night. Yeah, no, I would imagine not. And um, it was really nice. He got the signed hat trick ball, and um, you could see a doe, you know, when it was in the photograph, it said something like, um, you know, it was a really nice message he'd written on there. I can't quite remember what it said now, but um, yeah, it was really good that a doe would. Oh, he said, uh, nice, yeah, nice hat trick partner or something like that. And it was like, you know, a strike partnership. We haven't had one of them for quite a while, Ollie. So um, yeah, we'll come to that. Um, just on the last few stats before we get onto the game, um, no shots on target versus Oxford. Terrible. Nine in this game, Ollie. We rarely ever have nine shots on target in a game. So a lot of chances um, and some good efforts as well. Crazy. Obviously, you're playing ten men, so um, there is a little bit of a balance to that. But yeah, to go from zero to nine is is pretty mental, to be fair. Um, and weirdly, I was quite surprised when I was looking up the stats of the game and just kind of ruminating on what had happened. Um, despite the fact we've scored four goals, we've you know comprehensively won a game of football, still had less possession, which I think kind of is interesting only in that it backs up what our approach is still. We we played slightly different in this game, but when we went you know ahead at a reasonable amount, um, when we obviously we kept attacking once we went to ten, we were still a little bit pragmatic during parts of the game to keep what we had um, and and still sit in deep enough and, and be content to let them have the ball. So I was I was pretty surprised we only had forty percent you know less than fifty percent of the ball in a game we won and felt as comfortable as it was, Ollie. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at the first half, we had 47% possession. The second half, we had 48% possession. Also, he had a man sent off to 68 minutes. Yeah, strange. We've got a bit of a, a spiky response from Steve Cottrell. I'm not sure if Lewis is, is, is actually, if he's actually doing this or he disappears like it, he's kind of ratcheting up the pressure in terms of asking a bit more, <laughs> he's getting more confidence and asking the manager questions. He asked him about his style and the manager did not take kindly to this question at all. <laughs> and it was like, well... Basically, we're just having to play with what we can because I fucked up the transfer winner, didn't I? So yep. we've got to do what we can and with the players we have. But to be fair, yeah. like, you know, credit where credit's due, I thought the setup for this game was absolutely fantastic. And there's some really key parts of play that we will talk about in this game, which I think you've got to give a huge amount of credit to the analyst, you know, Aaron Wilbraham and, and the manager, of course, because he makes the decisions on how we play. You've got to give a lot of respect to the manager for how this is set up and obviously the players, how the players implemented it. Um, so I thought that was quite anyway, an interesting few points there, I think. Yeah. I mean, watch the game. I feel like if you were doing your prep for Cambridge in a week, they would have given you a lot of things to, to be able to work against, Ollie. Because... And that's where we come back to that point. So Cambridge, 
must have seen us, thought these guys are crap attacking, let's let them have the ball. Yep. No, it didn't really work so much in this game because actually a couple of players, uh, Wally, Leahy and Pennington in particular, were really good with their passing, Correct. really purposeful passing. Um, so that was really good. Yeah, and you know, I, I can't say that you know they were. I, it's it's a bit weird because we beat them four one, and you'd say, oh, they're the worst team we played this season, which maybe isn't fair because you know we've been abject and we don't really know how bad some of the other teams we played are. But but um, and they were down to ten men as well, obviously for a long period in the second half. So it's really harsh to be on them, but um, we dominated this game right pretty much from the start, didn't we? We got on top straight away, and certainly you know felt like that they were one of the poorer teams we played this season. But that doesn't mean you know anything really there's been so many games over recent years Ollie when we've done this podcast against 10 men and said we just didn't put them away remember going away to Bolton and they yeah. were down to 10 men for a long stretch that was, and it was where Faye just... came on for our 90 minutes yeah and it was just like what is this why can't we put a 10 men away and it, I'll give them the town and the players and the manager credit this was one of those games where we finally played 10 men and played them in a way that was what you should do you know went for the juggler at the right times dispatched them when they pushed up a little bit too much you know the, the, the Bowman goal where we broke and Wally played we scored three goals when they had 10 men like, exactly. when we ever done? We've got, sometimes we don't even score one no it rarely happens um, and to be fair I think Oxford uh, Cambridge were a little bit un- undermined themselves because even with 10 men they kind of kept trying to push didn't they um, which yeah. was a, which just maybe bad, their... bad decision making yeah. at 10 but interesting game all in all I thought in terms of what happened in it and obviously an exciting game but um yeah, go on. Let's get back to uh, let's get, let's back, get to back to the, the team agenda. Selection. And do, we've gone off on a fun tangent there. <laughs> so the team. So and um, we went back to um, three five two, and um, which is actually I think is get, we're getting a much better at playing at, and I think this game was quite was key for that. Yeah. Um, so we had Pennington, Ebanks, and Nurse played um, left centre back. Um, Pierre was dropped to the bench, um, probably I think probably because of fitness, as we mentioned. Then we had Bennett, Warley, Davis, and Leahy in a better. And then Bowman and Doe up front. I think it's worth noting that Wally and Leahy for me played as like two eights, and Davis was a six. So they were so Davis sat a bit deeper, and yep. then either Leahy or Wally would run forward. And Wally seemed to have license to when we had the ball to really run into some dangerous areas. And Cambridge just didn't know what to do with him. They just didn't, they didn't know how to track him. They didn't know how to follow him. They couldn't. They just basically just couldn't adapt. Um, you're talking about Cambridge earlier, Glenn, a few minutes ago, I would say Cambridge are the worst team we've seen this season. Yeah, probably. I was going to try and do something, but I just haven't had a chance in terms of doing this podcast early. How many players played in you know their last game in League Two versus um, this game today? Um, I thought they were quite poor. I thought, you know, compared to, to Morecambe and, and obviously other sides, I thought they were quite poor. Um, I thought they were, they sat deep, um, which obviously was their tactic, but they were those huge spaces amongst the, amongst their players. Oh, yeah. And I thought they were quite passive in de- in defence, and they weren't really particularly clinical or or, or sharp with their passing. Um, so yeah, I think it was a poor performance. Be interesting to see what um, Cambridge fans thought about their performance. Um, something maybe to have a look online afterwards. They approached this away game like we approach our away games. You know, they played <laughs> similar tactics, sat deep and tried to tried to counter. But but they did it right. badly, they, didn't they? They did it really badly. And the guy who was playing up front from was a big sort of target man, wasn't he? And yeah, he was so isolated during that first half all the time. You, you know, they right back and pick the ball up. You know, might do might drop their shoulder, go past one of our players, and then he just had nothing to hit. And they wouldn't. They didn't like playing channel balls because that guy clearly was slow and couldn't chase it down. So they wanted to kind of try and play out up to him. But whatever they tried first half, particularly, just didn't work. Um, they were they were really really poor. Um, and as I say, their performance first half reminded me of maybe our second half performance at Oxford. Quite similar, if you ask me, in terms of kind of um, the the way that they were sort of completely dominated. Um, and yeah, and I suppose the, the best thing about it was Ollie, is the goal was dead early, wasn't it? That was something that really helped us, I think, in terms of the context of the game. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, interesting question for you, Glenn. Oh, yeah. There was one player on the pitch, apart from the goalkeepers, obviously, who was wearing gloves. Can you name that player? 
No, I can't, actually. I didn't see anyone in gloves. Oh, if I had to guess, was it one of our players you're talking about? Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you okay. that. Okay. If I had to guess, oh, I don't know. Who's a gloves guy? I I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd better, maybe. I don't know. No, it was our Man Mountain and Captain Ebanks Landor. Oh, dear, dear. There you go. Uh, talking it wasn't gloves, even cold. I was wearing a gilet. It wasn't even coat weather. It wasn't cold, but, in, uh, you know. But we it went to... makes him happy, I guess, and he plays better in it. Maybe it's a superstitious thing. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it is, yeah. There's a lot of players like gloves in the winter, isn't there? But it's funny, we were in the fan zone pre-match and then I had uh, three points in about 45 minutes, which is never good for me, to be honest with you, which is why I missed the first goal, if I'm honest. Um, but um, one of our one of our mates had brought his gloves out for the first time at the football this season and I, you got got quite a bit of short shrift on that when it's too early for me to be bringing the gloves out in mid-October as a fan. You've got to, got to get into gloves. November, I reckon. You can't be wearing gloves yet. You've got to, you've got to build up and, and earn the layers, otherwise you won't feel the benefit. Well, I'm a big believer of feeling the benefit. And if you go all in at the start, you're going to be, you're going to be freezing when the winter comes. Yeah, one of my friends uh, who came down from Manchester for the day was saying you won't feel the benefit as well. He was completely right. But um, there we go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the club's chat out of the yeah. way. But We started to- well and we noticed a tactic um, which contributed to the goal as well. So um, Pennington plays the ball out to Bennett. So we're playing really, really wide on Saturday. Um, a cross into the box, not the best cross. Obeta has to collect the ball and he plays it back. And then Nurse charges forward and crosses the ball and a doe headers wide. Decent header for Abundo. It was quite a hard cross, to be fair. And then a few minutes, a few minutes later, possibly with the best team goal of the season in terms of eight players were involved. Eight, nice. Finn, eight players were involved. So basically, Morosi rows the ball out to Pennington. Pennington plays the ball inside to Worley, who plays it first time to Bennett, and Bennett then plays it onto a Doe, who does a good cross, but bit like he normally does, overhits the pass to Obeta. Obeta then has to kind of check back to Nurse. Nurse crosses into the box. Bowman into uh, Bowman headers into the back of the net. A header goal, Glynn, part of his perfect head, um, hat-trick. Mm-hmm. And it's 1-0. And that was a great goal, wasn't it? Really good. Got up quick. Good sort of smart jump, fast flick, header... You know, defenders didn't know what you know couldn't get near him really. I suppose it was it was the quick movement um, that he displayed throughout the whole game in, in various aspects of his of his game that um, that really kind of meant meant the goal in. I'm only saying that as I said because I've actually watched it back this morning. <laughs> but on the day I was I don't know what it was. My brain was all over the place. Um, so I missed it on the day. But um, yes, uh, really good goal and and just a fantastic start to the game. And as I say, I think similar to Oxford getting that goal at the start of the second half against us in the Oxford game. Um, uh, and they rode that kind of wave of optimism and pressure release I think that's kind of what happened in this first half for us getting that first goal at home with a crowd that were kind of up for it I thought um, and, and kind of you know ahead against a team you'd expect him to be beaten I think we kind of rode that positivity all through this half um, and I know the goals didn't come to the second half but I think we played really well in the in this half as it went on so um, yeah it, it was it was a it was a wave of positivity they rode I thought yeah it was a good first half yeah, um, Ado was was key and really good at def- rolling the defender and getting the ball out. And without that action from him, we obviously wouldn't have scored this goal. So a really good bit of play from him. And then Cambridge continued to sit deep, but they sit deep with huge spaces. And then we get in the ball, and then we would get basically Davis or central defender was getting the ball beyond the centre circle in their half. So you know, really they were sitting that deep. Only really Ironside was kind of just kind of floating around behind them. And then, yeah, Pennington gets the ball, plays the ball through like their, their two lines or maybe even three lines, depending on where, the defense, where you count the defence midfielder. Worley gets the ball, runs into the box and really should have scored. And yes. that should have been 2-0. Cambridge very deep. We had a really bad moment where a doe um, and the, the Cambridge goalkeeper, how would you pronounce his name? Is it Mithoff? Um, but yeah, had a head injury. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, both of them go down. Apparently, Odo's got a dent in his head, which sounds quite worrying. Mm. Um, and the goalkeeper yeah. had to be substituted. So it's headband time for Odo, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah, the keeper couldn't shake it off. And it comes to it a bit later on, doesn't it? In that we were both allowed one concussion substitute in this game, yeah. weren't we? Because this guy went off for concussion. And I believe the rules are, well, I was completely unaware of this because we've not had to deal with it before, um, that you can also make a, a, an additional substitution. So it's fair, can't you? So as much as one of our players didn't have concussion because they made a fourth sub, um, we could make a fourth sub. So we made four subs in this game, which was bonkers. It's the first time that's happened. Um, obviously, during the COVID period, we could make seven. But outside of that period... Traditionally, you're only allowed to make three subs, so this, I think it's the first time we've been benefited from that four subs in a game rule. So, yeah, that was interesting later on um, when there was all sorts of subs going on and everyone was like, what's happening here? <laughs> so, that was fine. But, yeah, nasty little clash, actually, wasn't it? He was down for quite a while. They, they almost had to get the stretcher on for him. Um, felt you know felt like um, they looked like they were both going, going off at one point. Fair play to Ado. Brave to continue and, and, and continue and play well, actually, as the game went on. Um, but um, yeah, you know, not nice to see. Um, and the guy on uh, the keeper, just so everyone knows, put something on Twitter last night, didn't he, with a bit of a, an update on his condition? Yeah, he did. So he said, "Yeah, thank you everyone for the messages. My head is starting to feel a lot better now, and hopefully, I can make a full recovery very soon." Big thank you to the medical staff from both clubs. Um, so that was good to see that he's okay. And he was. The thing about it was, and this helped us in the context of the game work again, is that he'd been pretty good in that opening spell yeah, before the did. injury. He'd kept them in it with the Wally save. He'd made a couple of other saves. He'd been really strong, I thought, in some of the pressure we'd had from corners. So again, you know, one of those ones where it's it's a bit of a, you know, you need a little bit of luck in a season, and you can't call someone getting a head injury and concussion luck. But you know, their first choice goalkeeper getting subbed off for a player playing only his second ever competitive EFL performance, and the first one came when he was 17, and he's significantly older than that now. Again, was good because. You know the keeper that came on didn't look the best. He, he couple couple of spam-handed shots later on in the second half, and obviously went on to concede three with ten men, which maybe is a little bit harsh on him. But you know, just again one of those kind of moments which benefited us because on the flip side, if their keeper continues and Ado goes off, you don't know what happens in the game. It might have been a very different game. Yeah, I agree with that, Glenn. I thought the fourth goalkeeper didn't look as confident as as their first first choice goalkeeper, and Ado had a good game. So yeah, it was it was good for for us and for Ado that he could stay on. And talking of a doe, um, best chance for us um, after this comes to to a doe who cuts inside and shoots with his left foot. Decent effort, um, decent save from the keeper, but um, wasn't really gonna gonna go in there. And then we go in at half time, Glenn one nil up. So yeah, it was nice to have scored first again. Yeah, it was almost a bit of a typical Ado chance where he did everything before it perfectly and then did a powder puff shot straight at the keeper because and quite still got that finishing sorted. Um, you did miss one of the best moments of the, of the first half, Ollie, which was where we did score a second goal, but it got disallowed because Ebanks Landau punched into the net. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. I forgot about that. And I remember watching you and your brother jump up and I stayed sat seating because I knew that wasn't going to fall. Yeah, we went to the back post, didn't it? And I think people thought it was for offside, but I believe it was for him knocking it in with his hand. So um, there we go. It just didn't Good look effort. right. I didn't really know at the time why. But I just just didn't feel like it was it was right. There was something wrong about it. I scored a couple of goals out for the away supporters back in the day. Absolutely disgraceful behaviour, but um, needs must. Um, there we go. Um, yes, I completely agree though. You know, one nil half time. You know, felt a little bit like could have been ahead by more. So it was almost like the opposite of what we normally feel. Oh, we've got to half time. We're only one nil down. We can potentially get back into this. This week it was the other way around. It was like one nil is still you know dubious, isn't it? And you suspect Oxford are gonna, Cambridge are gonna start to play a little bit better at certain points. I nearly um, did that as well. Why is yeah. it? Why, I nearly said Cambridge. I in the game and through this podcast, I kept nearly calling Cambridge Oxford. It's really weird. I kept doing that. 
Well, we played Cambridge and Oxford this week, haven't we? Yeah. So there we go. It's the, the university special this week. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to stop getting them confused. Um, but, yeah, could could have been more. Um, you just wanted us to go and get a second goal and kill them off. I think I think I tweeted halfway through the second half, you know, even before they went... Sorry, first half, even before they went down to 10 men, you know, we were so so much in control, you just felt like a second goal would kill the game off. Um, but, yeah, interesting. But then what happened then, Glenn? <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite go like that, did it, no, to be honest with you? Um, we had a couple of chances, second half, didn't we, straight away to kill them off. I think Pennington and Wally had a couple of decent chances. But... Um, from no, I wouldn't say from nothing, Ollie. I would actually say the start of the second half um, was a much different game. And I think that if it had continued in that pattern, we might have been in trouble. Um, for the opening 10, 12 minutes, they got into the game finally, didn't they? They started creating some, some chances themselves. They had much more of the ball. We kind of sat back, whether that was, as I said, because Cottrell had said at halftime, sit back and defend what we've got. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, they, they had sort of started to go back in the game. But the way the goal came was from, you know, from nothing, really. It was a, a massive wonder strike from long range, wasn't it, that you couldn't really, you know, blame Morosi for not getting. Um, but no, I, w- no. I wouldn't say that, you know, that, that it came from nothing. I feel like they did start to get a foothold in the game and maybe they didn't deserve to be equal on the context of the game, but they did play well enough to kind of at least force some chances. Yeah, they, they we, we were penned back a little bit. Um, yeah, nice recycling of the ball into space. Um, and then, yeah, Erdale, um, just as a, a Thunder Bass, did an absolute wonderful strike. It was just a sweet, sweet strike. I mean, we probably have never hit one better than that. And, yeah, it was one all, And it felt a bit harsh that it was one all. to be honest, in, in, in the run of play. But I, I did feel like we just, uh, you know, honestly felt like we reverted to sight for that 10 minutes. And maybe it was just cautionary to, to see out the first 10 minutes and, you know, get to 1-1 then and then start to build back from there. But it, it didn't, you know, the, the context of the game didn't pay off. And obviously they got 1-1. And I thought after that goal, they still played well and they were pushing us back. We, we kind of got deeper a little bit and, you know, looked a little bit panicked at times. And considering we went on to win this game 4-1, there was there was just that worrying little spell between their goal, well, half-time the goal and the red card where Cambridge really did kind of play their best football in the half. And um, yeah, it was an interesting little period and the red card really helped us, I thought. You say that, Glenn. I still was fairly confident we'd actually get something from this game, probably because we were mm. so dominant in the first half. And then there was obviously an interesting moment of the game. So Shrewsbury attacking, um, Daniels would come on at this point. He runs back to try and get the ball. Um, he has the ball. And then a player comes in and a um, really reckless challenge. I thought it was a red card um, in real time. It wasn't like, a you know, there's also these different shades of red. Um, it was on the lighter side. But for me, I thought it was a dangerous tackle because he was off the ground. He was two-footed. Uh, but I have to say, Leahy's reaction, I think, had a big, big say in terms of convincing the referee to send him off. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, thought, I, I don't weird. I, I mean, on the day, I, I saw it. I thought it was it looked harsh because it looked like he won the ball. Um, but clearly, from where I was and where, where the incident happened, you couldn't quite see how far off the ground he was and quite how you know reckless, as you say, it looked. Um, and yeah, I agree. Leahy's reaction didn't didn't really help. But um, watching it back, I'm 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 not surprised it was a red card. Um, having seen the the footage back, it's the sort of thing a referee won't won't take too kindly to. So yeah, on the time, I thought it was a bit harsh. But um, looking back, I think I, I could accept that as a red card. Um, and I would definitely accept it as a Shrewsbury Town fan because <laughs> it made this game a hell of a lot more fun to watch for the last uh, 20, 25, 30 minutes, didn't it? It did, and as you said already, you know, it was, it, was, it was a nice change for us to actually take advantage of the opportunity and score a few goals. So what what did happen? So yeah, it's just basically just a goal fest after this. So the player was <laughs> sent off in 68 minutes, and he took us five minutes um, for Bowman to get his second. Yeah. So this time, Cambridge are trying to play it out. This was foolish from them, to be honest, I thought. Trying to play it out, we put them under pressure a couple of times. Um, and then Leahy gets a toe in 
Um, Warley drives forward, a good pass to Bowman who fires um, into the back of the net with his with his left foot this time. Um, really, really nice goal and a, a, a good effort there. And I thought, interestingly, Glenn, a really good pass from, from Warley. And that's what's let us down a lot of the time is our bad passing. We'll come back to that in a second. But um, yeah, a really nice goal. And yeah, you must have enjoyed that one. Great pressure to force him into a mistake. I think Ogbetta was involved down the left. Um, it was one of the best moments of the game for him, really. Forced that mistake, played played it into Wally, didn't he? Wally went away, played that perfect pass. I, 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 this was the sort of striker's finish, you know, proper striker's finish that we cry out for from a football player. Um, and we could talk about Doe and his overall performance levels, but in that same situation, Ado never scores that, unfortunately. Probably Cosgrove doesn't at the moment. Um, I very much doubt Pike has ever had that ability. Bowman's a... F- finisher he's clearly had a good goal scoring record at league two um and you know we've not seen it yet as he settled in here the heart problems a little niggle that he had at the start of the season but for me he's clearly going to be our most reliable goal scorer and i'm not just saying that because he scored a hatchet in this game i've been saying that on the podcast this season and i even when we signed him so but that that's the sort of strike that a striker is 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 needing to get and just really really good to see it the keeper gave him a little bit too much space i thought ollie to aim into he was his position was ropey on the goal but you know you need to you need to do what you need to do and um i think for me it proves that Bowman's got to be the guy, hopefully, that can keep fit, play him up front and work work everybody off the back of him because I think he will be the one to get goals. Yeah, he's the one who's got goals. Also, we had James on the podcast a few weeks ago saying his, you know, his conversion rate, is his use of his own personal kind of XG conversion is quite poor, where Ado's mm. is actually better. We're just going to talk about Ado for that. a moment here, um, where Ado had a really, really good performance. He was crucial to our gameplay. He was holding the bullet really well. He was pressing really well. He... He contributed to the first goals already mentioned, and he had a really, really good performance. But for me, there's always a but, always a but with Ado, and it's like a little example where his passing is always just quite poor. We mentioned the first half that pass on the goal that actually you know was a poor pass for Betty had to pass back to Nurse, and there was another time in the second half when we we're attacking and we we're basically a counter attacking, and he plays the ball behind or better. And it might sound a bit pernickety, but that's the kind of thing that stops us attacking. And that's why we're so poor in the final third, where when this game you've got Leahy's passing and and Wally's passing to Bowman, they're crisp passes, they're forward and they've got pace and they're in the right place for the player at the right time. Where Ado's passing is just, if you can just get that bit of his play a little bit better, he could really be a really real threat and a real contributor for assists and goals. Mm. It's just that little bit of edge, that little bit of final bit of play that he needs to improve um, for him to to kind of start doing more assists and goals. And people might go be quite frustrated hearing that. He did play really well in terms of his effort, in terms of creating nuisance, and he's a real platform for us to play. But we're playing League One football here. It's not non-league football. He just needs to be a little bit more accurate, and and people were wondering on on Twitter, you know, why did he only get um, like seven um, seven points something from um who from who scored? Sorry, it was Sofa score this one, and then he gets to that because his pass completion is only sixty percent in the sixties, mm. and he gave the wall away seventeen times. For comparison, it was eight. So not saying he did not saying he didn't play well, he did, but he needs to be a bit better um to to play at this level. I think to consistently to keep performing um at the level we want. We're talking about a different Dan Ado and a different player in terms of his position now than we were when he was 
playing the Bowman role. When he was right through the middle and we were relying on him to be the one that would apply the finishes to some of our better moves in a game, we were incredibly critical of him because he clearly does not have the finishing ability that you would need at League One level. And and I've been massively hard on him and, and really harsh over the years and, and have kind of you know given up on him as that kind of player. But I will take a step back and say, if Cottrell has decided that maybe it's time to evolve him into more of that inside forward, you know, the way that Wally plays when he plays in the front three, off a striker like Bowman, who can finish, can be relied upon to finish potentially. And and he's the guy that's picking it up on halfway and running with it, right? He's not going to get every pass right. He still doesn't quite have that quality knack down yet. But when you've got a Wally and an Ado in a team, both running at defenders, you know, keeping them honest, making sure they can't switch off, it is much better for us going forward than, than any of the other kind of tactics we tried to play this season. And, I, and I'm happy to say that if he's evolving into that position more, more consistently and he puts in the performances he has done over the last couple of home games more consistently, then, I, yeah, I think he's still a useful asset at League One level, Ollie. Um, but there's, there's obviously still things he can work on to get better. But I, I do appreciate, I do think that working from deeper, he's a better player than he is as a striker. And um, it'd be fascinating to see what he makes of his role and what he's being asked to do now because he can hold the ball up. He's much stronger this season, Ollie. We've talked about that. And so there are things that he's improved his game on. And and clearly, you know, they're, they're the things that he hasn't improved on, which are clinical finishing and passing, do, do need work. But it, it, it is fascinating that we've kind of got a different player this season, I think, personally, than the one we were commenting quite harshly on at the end of last year. It's definitely a different player, a different role, and he offers us something different. Um, I don't know. He's con- what do basically think? what you're saying, he's contributing more, isn't he? Here definitely. He is. He's yeah. definitely contributing more. Now, but without goals or assists. It's yeah, weird, without goals it? or assists, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you, and when you go to the game on Oxford, he did some of the similar things he did on Saturday. And then obviously we obviously scored four goals on Saturday. Um, so the result does have, does have an impact on where we go. And so, yeah, this is not us criticising Ado, not saying he shouldn't. You know, we are criticising his passing and stuff. But overall, he's doing really well. He's performing really well. He's, he's contributed heavily to that, that great win on Saturday. Um, it's just an interesting discussion um, for us to have, I think. It is. And, you know, as, as harsh as this sounds, he's doing really well in that role. But, you know, if you were looking in January to improve how we're playing and Ado is playing that role, then unfortunately he's one of the ones that's suspect to be replaced by someone probably a little bit better as an attacking midfielder. Who knows? But if he keeps playing like this all the way up to Christmas, then well, he's going to keep Cosgrove to... out the side, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, and, that, and this is the point, you know, if you're playing Bowman through the middle and you're playing Wally and Ado either side, that's got to be the best option. I think you, can, you can't really play Pike or Bloxham or Cosgrove in those sort of inside forwards off a of Bowman. I just I, they're too big and cumbersome. They they'll hold the ball up, but you don't feel like they're ever going to get it and run from halfway with a really kind of flashy um, kind of you know drop the shoulder, turn one way, do the, do a bit of a trick. Maybe Bloxham's got that in him, but he's only seventeen, and we might not see it every week. For me, Pike and Cosgrove nowhere near the first team. The only the only role Pike and Cosgrove have got now is backups to Bowman through the middle. Um, and frankly, I hope Bowman never gets injured anymore because I think he's got to be the solution going forward. But um, it's an interesting chat about how the, the front line evolves. I think yeah, Bowman's got to be that guy now. Um, and you you play the two sort of more quicker, runny players behind them and give them a go as, as a front three because on Saturday it looked good against 10 men. We didn't but... play as a, just to comment, we didn't play as a front three on Saturday. I thought for me we played, Wally played deep and then he would push forward. Um, but again, there's a bit almost like the subtlety of the formation. Wally playing deep as it was midfield three, but then would push on. But yeah, you've playing that kind of half space, isn't he? He's oh. playing like as a nine and a half. Yeah, and he's not right space. up, is he? 
No. no, he's he's much deeper. So they kind of t- dovetail during those attacking moments. But I agree, when we're in transition and defending, they kind of take the different positions then and Wally gets back in. Yeah. But, um, and that's the subtlety yeah. of how we're improving and that's where we're giving credit to the manager. So the credit for the manager, he clearly saw there was an opportunity for Nurse to pop up and cross the ball and that they couldn't get near him at all. And also they, they couldn't they couldn't track Wally's runs. Mm. So And then also a doe dropping in. So all these kind of players and playing these half spaces either the analyst or the manager or the assistant manager um, found this in their in their prep and those half spaces were key for the game and key for how we, how we, how we played and how we got a game so you know we will we will criticize poor performances but we'll also give huge praise when we play really well and set up well and I thought we tactically we set it really well for this game and the players executed it really well um, and obviously at this point it's 2-1 so we still have a few few nice moments to to enjoy Yes, we did. Um, and obviously, yeah. Well, where do we go to now? Um, another, another kind of another goal, really, wasn't it? You know, uh, is this was it the, the Bowman hat? It's the Bowman right one, yeah. So good yeah. attack from Shrewsbury. Leahy to Bowman, really good pass from Leahy. Bowman um, cuts in, shoots on his right, and I saw someone put on Twitter. I think it might have been Paddy Shrew saying that and the keeper was in the wrong postcode. He went completely the wrong way. Uh, made the goal look a bit foolish there, and that was his, that was his his perfect hat trick, Glenn. He got a header, Lovely. his left, and then his right. No, really good finish, and just you know, just he, he had full control of the ball during all of this goal, didn't he? He knew exactly what he wanted to do with it. Gave the keeper no chance. <clears throat> a really, really nice hat trick, as I say. A very we don't score that many hat tricks, Ollie. You know, since Grant Holt, there's been, probably been a handful of players who've scored hat tricks for Shrewsbury Town. So it is always a memorable moment when any town player gets a hat trick. Um, obviously we had Shiloh Tracy last year, didn't we? Um, we obviously had the Tom Eves hat tricks, the Andy Cook hat tricks. Um, you know, you can mention a few others. I think Ak got one. Um, but quite a lot of strikers have been to this club and never scored hat tricks. Collins. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so you know, it's it's always good to get one. It'll always go down. It'll, people always remember the Bowman hat trick. The Bowman perfect hat trick. It'll be one of the things from this season, like the overhead volley from Bloxham. You know, we talk about there not being very many moments this season to remember, but there you go. We've got two now: the, the perfect hat trick and then Bloxham overhead volley. <laughs> good, it was a good goal. Yeah, really good for Bowman. I'm sure, you love that. And then the, the fourth goal for me was all about Leahy. So I put in the agenda: Leahy, Leahy, Leahy. Um, so Leahy wins the ball. Really good tackle um, to stop them attacking. Um, he passes to Bowman, who runs forward. And Bowman's really good awareness here, makes a really good decision, passes it sideways um, to Leahy, who slots it home. And for me, that was a really good goal, really good assist for Bowman. Um, and for me, capped up a Leahy performance, which was excellent. Now, we do joke a little bit, don't we, about we're playing three left-backs in the team. So we've got Nurse playing left centre-back, better playing left wing-back. And we talk about Leahy being a left-back. Do you, do you think now, Glenn, because his performance has been so good, we can say, you know, you know, for your football manager stuff, you can say 20 out of 20 for Lee, he playing central midfield. He is a good central midfielder. No. <laughs> he's effective at the moment. He's playing really well. But at no point would I say that the two game good games he's had in these two home games back-to-back um, anywhere near replicate how bad he was in central midfield during the opening periods of this season. Is he getting better? Yes, you can't argue with that. He's definitely learning the game. He's learning how to play central midfield in a more effective way um, and certainly has been effective in, in these two home games. Um, but, you know, there are, there are a lot of games this season where he's done absolutely nothing in central midfield, Ollie. So I wouldn't say he's a natural central midfielder at all. I suspect he probably still thinks he's definitely more of a left-back, left-wing back. Um, but for the moment, he's doing a good job in some of these games. Um, and if he continues to do that, yeah, maybe I'd revisit that in a, in a few months down the line. But, no, I think it's, it's something he's learning and getting better at. Um, and, and, yeah, can't criticise him on Saturday. Really good, especially against 10 men. He absolutely dominated the game. But um, And that's the yeah, difference, think, isn't it? Yeah. So it's about the output. And yeah, you know, on on, on on Tuesday night, everyone was poor. Ado was crap. 
you know, Bloxham was poor, Bowman was poor, central field of Bennett, Davis and Leahy was really poor. But then on Saturday it worked. And obviously for me, that does take into account, I think, Cambridge being really poor. But credit where credit's due, for me, Leahy had a fantastic game and he should really be really pleased with his performance um, on Saturday. He was one of our best players. Definitely so. But again, you know, at Christmas time, if I was looking to be bringing a midfielder in, I would be looking to bring an experienced League One midfielder who knows how to do the job. Leahy might not be playing. Well, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be an experienced League One player. We could sign someone from a Champions League team um, and then they'd do quite well in central field. (laughs) But I know what you mean. Yeah. Exactly. So no, but you know, I'm not being critical of the last two home games. Uh, obviously, then you know you remember Oxford in between. So you've got it. You've got to you know with these good performances and stuff. There is obviously the balance of everything that's gone on this season. But some of the players are starting to look a little bit more improved recently in terms of going back to this. Um, yeah, going back to this need to win and, and get a good run going. So yeah, interesting discussion. Um, certainly, certainly improving and, and definitely deserves a lot of credit in the last few weeks. So um, there we go. So yeah, that was it. Four one. Ollie uh, didn't get a fifth. I was I was chanting we want five, <laughs> but uh, yeah, wasn't to be. That would have been fun. But um, yeah. One last thing on Bowman, really. I'll bet you, and I'm going to have to check this. It's going to be more, more, more Monday morning research. I would bet it's a long time since someone had four goal goal contributions in a game. You know, three goals and an assist. Um, I reckon you've got to go back quite a long way because obviously we haven't scored four goals in many games in that period of time in the league. But um, yeah, I wonder if I have to go back until someone someone did that. No idea, mate. I think you've <laughs> It'll be a while. Yeah, but, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's good to see we've actually got a striker now who scored a few goals. Uh, which is which is encouraging. So yeah, Bowman's got a few goals now. So fingers crossed he can he can start picking up. Because um, he hasn't, you know, he had that. He started, didn't he? Started all right. He had that injury, so he mm. was kind of out of the team. Fingers crossed now he can start. He can start scoring a few goals. He's our, he's our top goal scorer with four four league goals now. You've got Leahy on three, Wally on two, Cosgrove on two, and Pennington on one. Obviously, goal scorers. Um, are rare for Shrewsbury in the last few years. Yeah, um, I'm sure we've probably still scored less goals than games. Um, what are we on now? So we've scored 14 goals and we played 15 games. So that's still abysmal. But we scored four <laughs> on Saturday. God, that's just mad, isn't it? We scored four goals on Saturday and we scored 14 goals all season. Um, that yeah, that is just yeah poor. But we can only uh, up, hopefully, Glenn. This is the up, we're up on an upward trajectory now. Um, and I think we're playing, you know, a side who are not doing very well at the moment. So you never know. But still, yeah. back-to-back wins, back-to-back games, scoring goals is is key for us to start building some momentum. Yes, yeah, still too early to tell whether the two home games are a sign of where we're headed or, or the Oxford performance. Uh, you know, or maybe it's both. Maybe we'll continue to be better at home but still be abject away from home, and that'll just scrabble us up the table to fifteenth, sixteenth, something like that. Who knows? But I, you know, I'm excited about the game. I still have concerns at the back of my mind to getting through to January. But that was a good start to what is going to be a tricky period going forward, Ollie. So um, yeah, there we go. What about your uh, top three, Ollie? Yeah, so I went for for Bowman. Um, people might be surprised about this. Ado, I thought was fantastic, even though you know he still has some rough edges. Um, so I put him second. I thought he had a fantastic performance overall. Um, and Lee, he was third for me. Yeah, Bowman clearly man of the match, absolutely brilliant performance as a striker. And you know we talked about his goals, but his actual overall work rate, his clever runs, his pace at times, um, his hold up play. You know, kind of one of those more complete striker performances that you've you've come to see at the Meadow. So absolutely brilliant, deserved man of the match. Um, I gave Nurse second, Ollie. Um, nice assist, but overall he's he's a really good. Yeah, Tracy uh, in left- his pocket, didn't he? Yeah, left centre back. He's really good. Like we we didn't we worried the first few weeks when he started playing there, didn't we? Because we were told he was more of a traditional left back, left wing back, didn't we? But man alive, whenever we've needed him and Pierre's not been there, he's been really good in those games. And I thought he deserved a lot of credit on Saturday for his defensive position uh, play against uh, Shiloh Tracy. We know can be a pretty tricky strike. You know, one of the, the last player to score a hat trick for Shrewsbury Town was on the pitch on Saturday. It was Tracy, so um, kept him quiet the whole game uh, along with the rest of the defence. So yeah, I thought he was really good. And, Interesting. And, uh, heads up. 
Interesting question for you, Glenn. So, I don't know, just, just imagine this kind of, you know, I don't know, this new parallel, either we change formation in January, we have a new manager or something, and you've got a choice. Who do you think out of Leahy, Obeta and Nurse is the best all-round left-back in terms of defence and attack? I can only say Obeta because I've seen him more. Ollie, you know that well, how he played at the end of last season is better than anything I've seen from Nurse and Leahy at left back so far. So to me, if you're looking for a left wing back, I would still say Ogbetter because I've seen more of him and I know what he can offer at the best of his game. But it's difficult because the other two have only played there in sporadic moments, haven't they? This season, you know, Lee, Lee's had a run there, Nurse has had a run there. But all three of them are really good players. That's the sad thing about it is that we've overstocked with really good left left wing backs. Um, <laughs> so it's a bit annoying really that someone's going to miss out at some point unless Leahy keeps playing central midfield and Nurse keeps playing centre back. So maybe. That is the solution, you know. You get Ogbetter, Leahy, and Nurse in the team at this point, um, and that's maybe what you know Cottrell's gone for because they are probably three of our best performers this season. Um, obviously, not Ogbetter, sorry, um, but Nurse and Leahy particularly. But Ogbetter's started to be good in the last couple of games since he's come back in. So yeah, maybe maybe it is a solution to a problem that we found ourselves in. But um, I certainly wouldn't be buying another left back in January. That's the last thing we need to do. No, you're definitely not going to buy another <laughs> left back. Um, my my two pennies are Nurse is probably the best defender I think out of the three. Yeah. He's really good at winning the ball. He's really good at track tracking. Um, at the moment, I think Nurse maybe shades it for me, uh, mm-hmm. the three, yeah, um, because okay. also, you know, his cross for Bowman's goal was really good as well. But it's really weird. When you look at um, our kind of our attacks, actually more of our attacks and shots come from the right. But for me, we seem like a really, you know, not many teams have this many left-footed players in them. We've got Pierre, we've got Nurse, we've got Better and Leahy. We've got mm. quite a nice bit of balance. and I think we're quite effective attacking down our left at the moment. So that's a positive. <laughs> you are excited, Ollie. We're effective attacking down the left. We haven't been effective attacking all season, Ollie. But I know no, you mean. You know what I mean? In terms of this game, you know, <laughs> yes. we, you know, having those left-footed players does bring us a bit of True. balance to the side. I'm not Very saying we no, should I do agree. anything with that balance, as we saw on Tuesday night. Yes. But yeah. I think getting them three in the team is good at the moment, so that's fine. Um, and, I, and I went for a doe third, um, which is maybe a bit harsh, but um, yeah, he was really good as well. So um, I just felt like um, I just felt like I wanted to recognise Nurse's contribution to that game because sometimes you know players like I get overlooked. So yeah, I do a bit of doe as we talked about during the game. Um, yeah, really good running from deep and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, definitely worth a third place. Um, and on Cottrell, um, you asked me to look at the comments. I didn't watch it last night because um, I had the kids. My wife's been away, so I've been a busy boy. Um, but yeah, I've, I've read about this morning. He called, he called Bowman amazing. Um, in context of the goals, also how he's battled back from the heart issues he had at Ipswich, which is something we haven't really talked about, but it's just stunning, isn't it, really, about the, the, the sort of roller coaster he's been on. So he called him amazing, and he said, that's the striker I signed in the summer. Yep, bang on. And hopefully we see more of that. Um, he said, while Ryan Bowman will get all the plaudits for the hat trick, I thought Dan Odo was absolutely outstanding today. Absolutely first class. So yeah, not, you know, was digging into Pierre on uh, Tuesday night, but absolutely, you know, really well, willing to give the players a massive amount of credit and name them, um, which is something we've had managers not like to do before. But yeah, really, really happy with uh, giving Ido the, the credit. Um, and then he talked about the game more in general. He said, "This is what this game does to you, though, doesn't it? Um, you can have incredible lows. Obviously, talking about Opswich, uh, uh, talking about." Op- you can have incredible lows, obviously talking about Oxford, and then highs the next, which is true. We've we've heard on a roller coaster this week with the highs and the low. Um, said a low, as you said before, he said Ado had a big dent in his forehead um, and called him brave. Um, so we'll be interested to see if he's going to be okay for the next game. Um, and then he said, I thought the scoreline was probably deserved for our first half supremacy. Not only the efforts on goal, but what pleased me most was nine or ten of our shots were on target today. So um, obviously picking up that everyone's been taking the piss out of him for having no shots on target on, on Tuesday. Very clearly wanted to point out to the press and everybody that we had loads of shots on target this week which I suppose after everything that's gone on fair enough <laughs> it is fair enough but it does go back to that he is really sensitive about all these points um, which is quite funny someone, someone's got to be telling him what like is being talked well, about well we said about they? this like... before didn't we someone <laughs> had obviously told 
the manager that Lewis Cox had his fans in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, so he's clearly, he, yeah, it's just it's just bizarre. This whole situation is bizarre. Um, how how he behaves and how he gets so aggressive. Oh. He gets seems to get sensitive about all these things. He wasn't that spiky from the bit they put out um, so far. No, he's not, he's not. He's not. He's a joy when we're winning. Exactly. He's a joy when we're winning. It's when we're losing he, he gets a bit grumpy. Oh, there we go. So. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, up and down week, but ends ends on a positive note, which is good. Um, where are we going next, Ali? What's what's happening now is Lincoln away next Saturday, um, where we seem to have always had a pretty rubbish record from from memory there in recent years. Um, but yes, uh, they drew with Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, so similar to our result we got there. So not too sure what to make of that. Went back and had a look at their form over the last ten games. It's quite patchy. Um, I yeah, thought they were higher up in the good, table. Is it, to be honest, um, yeah. And they're fifteenth. They're only, only two points better off than us, are they? Yeah, so they're falling down the league table. So yeah, as yep. you say, they they drew with Wednesday. They lost to Wimbledon one nil. Um, they lost. They beat Charlton two one, but who wasn't beating Charlton? Um, then in the league, they drew with Plymouth, which is not a bad result to be fair. But then they lost to to Morecambe two nil. So yeah, I know their fans aren't too happy. I know, but I believe they've had a lot of injuries. Um, so okay. it'll be interesting to see what kind of Lincoln side we turn up with. Yeah, Lincoln have been doing well against us in recent uh, recent years. So if there's ever a kind of bit a bit of a grudge game, it's something for 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 them to kind of do a bit better of. Interestingly, Glenn, um, you know, their weaknesses are kind of aerial duels and defending set pieces. So maybe that's mm. something that we can we can work on. If you if you were to sell, say, you know, having got a win at home, you want, you know, having beat MK Dons, going away to Oxford or in reasonable form wasn't ideal to kind of get no. your first away win of the season. Having got a 4-0 win at home with a team full of confidence, going to a team like Lincoln who are not having a brilliant time at the moment um, and, a, and a team we could go above in the table if we win, which is bonkers considering how far ahead of us. And also Lincoln are playing on Tuesday night against Wigan. Yeah, so it's it's almost like made. If you really wanted a good opportunity to get your first away win, this is it for me. So yeah, yeah they might not do it, but this is this is something I'm going to be. Ex- I'm expecting them to have a good go at trying to get that first away win because if we can have won, f- you know, four league games in f- sorry three league games in four, that's a turnaround, Ollie, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. If we win the next one, you know, cause that's because the nine, game after that is tough. Because yeah. the game after that, again, we benefit from not from playing games earlier. Um, so we've got that Tuesday night um, game and Rotherham have got playing Charlton away. So the Rotherham have got to travel all the way to London on Tuesday night. Then they've got to then travel to us and we're playing Rotherham at home. But Rotherham obviously a really good side, a team that don't play a lot of football but are very effective. Um, they, they currently sit fifth in the table. Yeah. So that's going to be tough. You know, they've won four of their last five. So mm. I think getting some against Lincoln is going to be important. Um, yeah. We're just out of the relegation zone by one point at the moment. Um, a few teams dropping down, so Morecambe, Cambridge and Lincoln, and Portsmouth for 16th, Glenn. Um, so there's a few teams dropping down. Yeah. You need to keep picking up these points. So three points against um, Lincoln would be would be a must because, yeah, then after that we've got a tough one against Rotherham. Yeah, even a draw I'd take to be honest with you. But my, my point is, if we start winning more of our home games, we're not going to win them every week. You know, We're not going to win everyone from now to January. If we win some more home games than we have been doing at the start of the season, it'll keep us... In and amongst the relegation trouble, won't it? It'll probably keep yeah. us at the bottom four, but it will keep us sort of flowing. And that's, up that's the minimum, isn't it? Yeah. That, well, that's not almost the minimum. The min, it's kind of like the, the best we can almost hope for, really, I think, that we won't be in a relegation mire when it comes to January. Then when we get to January, maybe we can turn it around and, and sign a few players. Yeah, my point is, though, to, to get anything more than that needs a mega run. And, it, and to get a mega run, you have to win an away game or two now. So that's the next challenge for Cottrell, isn't it? He seems to have got the home form up a little bit. Fine, great, good work. Um, hopefully we play 10 men a lot more. <laughs> um, but the point is, yeah, to get to pull away from anything and, and get yourself to beyond 
you know, average, I suppose, needs that mega run. And to me, you've got to try and sort that away form out. So that's the next challenge, I suppose, really. So, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully it happens. I'm not sure whether I'll be going to Lincoln yet. Um, trying to convince my children it would be a good idea. But then they're a bit more keen after Saturday. <laughs> they weren't keen earlier in the week. So maybe we'll get there. long drive onto May Rose, isn't it, to Lincoln? Yeah, I'm having a little break this week. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to get back to football next week. And then, yeah, be the bun fight for Stratford tickets after that. So who knows? But, um, yeah, we'll be back next week anyway to cover it. We'll watch it either way. Um, and, yeah, um, hopefully it's another win, Ollie. Yeah, it's a, it's a good week for the players. We don't have a Tuesday game. Um, yep. Being on the back of a 4-0, a 4-1 win, sorry. So that should be good for morale, players around. Mm. So plenty of time, obviously, to prepare for the Lincoln game. They've got a game, as we said, mid-week. So as you say, Glenn, it does set it up perfectly to try and get something. Yeah, let's see. He has to be down 1-0 after one minute on Saturday. <laughs> but fingers crossed we can get the result because while we're frustrated with how things are going at the moment, we keep repeating it. You've got to enjoy the wins and I really thoroughly enjoyed the win on Saturday. Yeah, and I'll, my last point is the eye-opening thing about it is I'm, su- I'm surprised how much a couple of wins has done for our league position and how close we yeah. are to all the teams above us. That's the staggering thing. You know, it felt, felt that the worst part... we run, Glenn, and we could be in a really crazy league position. That's what I mean. Yeah, it felt like we were cut adrift at one point and um, I appreciate we played a few more games than everyone else, but, you know, they've got to win those games, haven't they? So, yeah, it's interesting how things have changed around a little bit, but um, I'm trying not to get too carried away with it yet. No. I want to see an away win. I want to see... Uh, a little bit more progress in terms of goal scoring and I think we could could be heading in a better direction and um, maybe a few weeks back I didn't feel like that so it's nice to have a little bit of positiveness on my shoulder again so yeah we'll be back next week Ollie won't we? Yeah we will thanks guys for listening really appreciate your support and yeah we'll be back again next week